you serve an awesome God? Has he been good to you? Wakes you up every morning? Provide ways out of no way? Look at somebody and say, he is an awesome God. Will you bless God for our choir and our worship and arts ministry? Amen. As we remain standing this morning, and as we prepare to share this text in this year of 2017, a year that we have deemed to be a year of God's supernatural favor. Uh, help me and tell somebody favor ain't fair. Folks shouldn't get mad at you because God decides to do things for you that only God can do. And this series that we have been sharing all summer is called Supernatural Peace. In fact, every Tuesday night and every Sunday, we are calling the summer of 2017 the summer of supernatural peace. Things won't get on your nerve like they have in the past. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody already. Tell somebody it just won't work. Don't let anybody or anything steal your peace. Amen. Amen. So with that in mind, the next message in this series is found in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verses 25 to 27, reading from the NIV translation. Now, I, I warned the church this morning at 8, this is one of those messages that I probably will not need the organist. Amen. I, I don't really want you to be hollering and falling out because you might miss something. So, Brother Tommy, you can give your fingers a break probably during this message. However, if the Spirit leads, have your way. Amen. Amen. You'll understand it as we get into the message. The series is entitled Supernatural Peace. We are preaching and teaching and rebuking spirits that tries to steal our peace. And here is another one of those spirits that we are calling out on the carpet. We are rebuking this spirit of anger. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody now. The spirit of anger. Look at somebody and say, you've been mad too long. You've been angry so long you forgot what you were angry about. Amen. It's a spirit that wants to steal your peace, and wants to steal your joy. Amen. Here's what the text says about anger. Verse 25, Ephesians chapter 4 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We are all members of one body. Verse 26 says, in your anger. In other words, we know that it's a part of human nature. But in your anger, do not sin. Hmm. 
this is the part I like where the subject is found. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, don't go to bed mad. Hmm, amen. Look at verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. Amen. Amen. Catch someone by the hand. Here is the subject for this message. The latter part of verse 26 says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Here's the message. Squeeze those hands and look at somebody and say, don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. You may be seated. May be seated. Now, let me confess. There are some things in life that you have to sleep on. If you're making a life-changing decision, you're making a decision about your life, then you ought to take your time, sleep on it, and think about it, contemplate it for a while. Amen. Thinking about doing something that will not only impact you but others, uh, it is a good thing to sleep on it. Uh, there have been times in my life both from the perspective of a pastor, a business person, and a legislator, that I wish I would have slept more on some decisions. Amen. Because it does pay off. However, there are things, particularly this thing, that's called anger, that you should not sleep on. Give it no space in your life. No more than what is natural and necessary. Amen? Why? Because perhaps, listen to this, the greatest challenge to enjoying a life of supernatural peace, if not the greatest, at least one of the greatest, is your and our ability to control our anger. I'm preaching hard already. Our inability to control our anger will cost us. Amen, somebody. Listen, this, this spirit, this what professionals call this emotion of anger has been described as one of the most perplexing aspects of the human experience. I was reading an article, uh, Dr. Eric, you would appreciate this, from the American Psychological Association, and it said, and it, was, it caught my attention, it says, oftentimes people who have a problem managing their anger these are the people to who are adverse to criticism that usually tries to help them. So they, they don't like frustration even if it comes from trying to help them better their lives. Now, the article goes on to say, and I agree, that anger is a natural human 
experience that if sometimes used properly could really benefit your life. And we'll talk about this later in the message. But when it is misused and not properly used and when it is used by the adversary in our lives, it can and will be very destructive to your life. There are people right now serving time for life in prison because they could not control their anger. Amen. They got mad because their significant other was with somebody else and they did something they should not have done. And guess what? While you locked up, there were a whole lot of somebody else's. Preach, Pastor. I need y'all to help me. Tell somebody, it's not worth it. It is not worth it for you to lose your temper for a moment and spend a lifetime paying for it. Get over it. Move on. God's got something better for you anyhow. Amen? Now, from a biblical perspective, anger is usually seen in the Bible in two uh, distinct, different ways. The first way the Bible oftentimes talk and describe, and we even see examples of anger, is in fact a good kind of anger. It is called righteous indignation. Uh, as witness when Jesus in all four of the Gospels, it is very unusual for all four of the Gospels to describe the same thing. There are, there are a few things in the Bible, in the Gospels, that are described by all four Gospel writers. This is one. When Jesus enters the temple, Jesus is angry because he sees the merchants, the money changers, the hustlers that have turned his house of worship into a den of thieves. He's upset when he sees that no longer are they concerned about worship, but they're concerned about selling stuff and enterprising and making money and have lost focus on what ought to be the priority of the temple and the house of God, which is saving souls. Amen. Sometimes we get so busy with the business of the church that we fail to recognize the purpose of the church. So Jesus saw that and was filled with righteous indignation. He went in and turned over the tables. He, he ran the money changers out of violently, one text says, and physically ran them out and, and rebuked them in the name of his father. That's, that's all right because that has a godly purpose. Now, just to get the record straight, don't mistake your foolish anger for righteous indignation. Because, see, we like to lump everything that makes us upset as righteous indignation. It's not righteous indignation when you have lost your joy 
because you heard that somebody else heard that somebody else heard they were talking about you. I'm preaching now. Can I preach hard? This is as hard as it gets. Look at somebody and say, that is foolish. Come on, tell them, that makes no sense. You get it not only the second hand, but you get fourth and fifth hand. Whew. I, I know folk that don't speak to folk right now. because And look, examine the source of your information. When a, a liar brings you information, you ought not be surprised that it ends up being a lie. Preach Pastor Jackson's. Because if it's one thing all of us know what liars do, liars, amen. That's not a news flash. That liars lie. Gossipers gossip. Backbiters backbite. Amen. And so you examine the source of who brings you information. And so this, this righteous indignation is when for a godly purpose that uplifts the kingdom and does more good than harm, uh, then, then perhaps there is a reason and a cause to be angry. But then there is another kind of anger. May I preach this this morning? There's another kind of anger that Jesus talks about in chapter 5 of the gospel that was recorded by St. Matthews in verse 22. Jesus doing what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. He gives a discourse. He gives the, the discourse on how to live a godly life. Many call it the Beatitudes when he tells them how they should act and what their attitude should be. But in that 22nd verse of chapter 5, Jesus says these words, and I quote, but I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. In other words, Jesus said there is a kind of anger that we ought to avoid. Listen, the psalmist understood this when the psalmist talks about this in the 27th Psalm. Before we get to our text, David writes the 27th Psalm. And you know there are times we get jealous and angry because of folk and what they do. And here's what David said in Psalms 37, I'm sorry, Psalms 37 and verse 1, as well as verse 8, Psalms 37. He says, verse 1, uh, the NIV translation says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or don't be envious of those who do wrong. Verse 3, he says, Trust in the Lord, and do good, and dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. But I like verse number eight. It says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret because it leads only to evil. Amen, somebody. It leads only to evil. Now, join me, if you will, to that uh, same Psalms and look at uh, chapter, Psalms 29. 
Psalms 29 and verse number 11 uh, says this. It, 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 it says it talks about uh, some Proverbs. I'm sorry, Proverbs 29. Go to Proverbs 29 and verse number 11. I'm going to show you something uh, that God wants us to understand when he talks about anger. He says, fools give full vent to their rage. I'm, now, if, if you're always angry, I didn't call you a fool. The Bible does. Amen? Fools, let me put it in a way you understand it. Somebody say, preach, pastor. Fools always got to get it off their chest. I'm preaching now. Fools always got to give people a piece of the little piece of mind they got. Amen. Here's what the Bible says. Fools give vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm to in the end. In other words, wise people know how to be calm. Let me put it in a way that you perhaps understand it better. The, the living translation puts that same verse in this manner. Fools vent their anger. The New Living Translation. But the wise quietly hold back. You, you are not a man because you can stand up and don't let nobody give you no mesh. I don't take no junk out of nobody. I'm a man. I, I know what I can know. You are a foolish man. You're not strong because you know how to get stuff off your chest. You're not strong because nobody crosses you. What do you who do you think you are? A fool argues. Here's what I often tell. I used to tell my sons this all the time. Don't argue with a fool. Because somebody passing by will have a difficult time telling who is who. Am I right about it? That's why, I, Pastor Lord, I, I don't get in arguments anymore with folk. Because when you argue with a fool, you are in their comfort zone. Because that's what fools do. But the stronger you are, the more ability you have just to hold your peace and take a licking, but know how to keep on ticking. You know how to praise God anyhow. Can I get a witness? Listen to the words of the song. Hallelujah anyhow. Never let your troubles get you down. When your troubles come your way, hold your head up high and say hallelujah anyhow. Anybody know how to just shake it off and you know how to hold it back and you don't always have to reveal and folk won't ever know when you are upset. I'm preaching now. In fact, I tell people all the time, the older I get, the more selective I get on who I want to hang around. Because I want to tell you something. 
Don't you hang around hotheads. Don't you hang around people who can't control their anger because their ignorance can get you in trouble. They, their inability to do what they need to do can get you in trouble. Amen. And just for the record, God will not use people who cannot control themselves, particularly their anger. The problem he had with Saul is that Saul couldn't control what was going on in his life. He got angry and tried to kill David, but thank God for David. Thank God for people who know that you've been laid down in green pastures and God knows how to walk with you and talk with you. How many of you have had people get on your nerve and you still know how to give God a praise? Oh, come on. I just want to make sure I'm in the right church. How many of you had people do everything they could to get next to you, but they still could not take your joy? Anybody know how to smile up in your enemy's face? Anybody know how to still be happy, even surrounded by haters and liars and people that are trying to take you out? and they still have not been able to impact your joy. Every now and then, you ought to tell your enemy, just hold my mule for 30 seconds. Let me give God my best praise right now. Listen, destructive anger is deadly. It is costly. There are folk right now who've lost jobs because they can't control their anger. There are folk right now who's lost families, preach pastor, because they can't control their anger. And don't let folk tell you that's just who I am. The devil is a liar. That's who you used to be. But the God I serve can make all things brand new. Amen, somebody. This unrighteous, destructive anger, it is what we're talking about today because here's a fact. This kind of anger usually does more harm to the one who's angry than to the one the anger is directed towards. You think folk care? There's some people that can care less if you're upset. There's some folk who've made you angry and they can, and you can't sleep at night, can't eat, all huffy and puffy and blood pressure going up and got all kind of illnesses going on just because you're mad at somebody who don't even remember your name and just folk that can care less and they are sleeping like a baby and here you are tossing and turning. Please touch somebody and say, let that stuff go. Preach. It's not worth it. This kind of anger can cause one to miss out on their blessings here on earth. I'm convinced that there's some blessings with your name on it that God says, I can't even send you away because your attitude isn't right. God says, I, I can't bless you in the state of mind that you're in. How, how can I bless you with the kind of blessings that I want to bless you with and you're still upset over something that happened five years ago? 
you upset because a gossiper told you a lie coming from another gossiper about something that could not even be true. Preaching now. Not only can it cost you your earthly blessings, listen to this, this kind of anger. Look at somebody and say, this kind of anger can cause you to miss out on heaven. Some of you are going to bust hell wide open simply because you couldn't control your own emotions and your own anger. This kind of anger will separate you from God in eternity. You've got to deal with this. Uh, Peter had to deal with Peter's anger before God can give him the keys to the kingdom. That's why they had an upper room experience for 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. Not because the Holy Ghost had to make its way to earth. It was that the attitudes on earth had to get out of the way. Preaching to somebody now. God said, I've got blessings with your name on it. That your emotions are in the way. Your, your anger, the things that upset you, are blocking you from the next level of blessing. Uh, but God has something greater than anything you give up on earth. Trust me, there will come a time in your life that you've got to let some things go and let some people go. And if there's some people who always seem to bring out the worst in you, then it's better for you to be by yourself and go to heaven than to be in a crowd on your way to hell. May I preach this? Look at the text, my brothers and sisters. In this text, Paul the Apostle writes this epistle to the church in Ephesus. A great, wonderful church in Ephesus Paul's intent was that the church would read the epistle and they would then pass it on to other believers throughout that region. Paul recognizes that these are wonderful human beings that are faith walkers. How do you know that, Pastor Jackson? Because in verse 1 of the text, he describes them as faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, they are faithful people in Christ Jesus and for although they were being severely persecuted for their faith they they somehow remained faithful despite all that was going on in their lives oh it's a hard thing to be faithful when you see trouble all around you when you are unjustly treated and when you uh, have been accused and when your family members are being murdered and things are happening to you, it's so easy to give up on the faith. But Paul writes these faithful in Christ Jesus for Paul wanted them to know that there's something good that God's going to do for you. Paul in the text encourages them. Look at the text and you will read it. He encourages them to put off what he calls the garments of the old man. In other words, things how you used to be, the attitudes of your past. Paul says, you've got to put those things off. You can't make it to heaven if you're still walking in the old way. Paul says, although you're faithful, there are times in which the temptation comes for you to revert back 
to how you used to be. Paul says, put those things away. In verse 25, he tells them, one of the first things you've got to do is put off falsehood. In other words, be truthful to one another. Uh, don't walk in lies. Don't, don't live a hypocritical life. Falsehood is not always telling lies. Sometimes falsehood is living a lie. May I preach? You know how messed up your life is, and you want to perpetrate and pretend as if you're all of that, and yet you're quick to judge everybody else knowing that your whole life is a lie. So Paul says, may I preach this? Paul says, put off falsehood and to speak truthfully to one another. And then in verses 26 and 27, Paul urges these faithful believers to not only put away uh, the garments of falsehoods, but he says, strip away the garment of anger. If you are going to be delivered, if you're going to enjoy the blessings of God, you've got to strip away the, the garment of anger, the type of anger that leads you to contempt, the type of anger that makes you seek revenge the type of anger that makes you want to get up in somebody else's face, the type of anger that somehow has convinced you that you've got to speak your mind all the time, the type of anger that somehow has convinced you that if you don't stand up for yourself in a forceful way, nobody else will. Well, what does that say about the God you serve? If you have concluded that if you don't do it for you, nobody else will, what does that say about the power of the God you serve? This is why I don't always find it necessary to defend myself uh, because the God I serve defends me day and night. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleep. Anybody know that God's got your back? Look at somebody and say, God's got you covered. You don't always have to fight your fight. There's a sermon in this series I'm going to preach called Stand Still and See What God Can Do. Every now and then we've got to understand that I can hold my peace and keep my mouth shut and control my emotions because the God I serve knows how to take care of my enemies. I heard the writer says, when my enemy and my foe came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Woo. Because somebody said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Woo! Tell somebody God's got this. He knows how to defend you. You go to bed sleeping good. You go to bed and give it to the Lord. If you want to do something about your anger, here's what I suggest you do. I suggest as opposed to getting it off your chest, you get on your knees. Can I preach? I feel like preaching to somebody because I've discovered that you can't do both of them at the same time. Elder Jennifer, you can't get stuff off your chest and stay on your knees. Either you're going to concentrate on your chest 
are your knees. I choose to concentrate on my Father. I stretch my hand to thee. Tell somebody, get on your knees. Pray about it. Anybody know prayer still works? Prayer still works. You got to pray sometimes. You got to take it to the Lord and leave it there. And God knows how to take care of your enemies. I heard David say, Thou prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointed my head with oil. Oh, I better. I said I wasn't going to preach like that this morning, but I feel some help. Catch somebody by the hand and say, neighbor, you don't know it, but the help you have is bigger than the, bigger than the enemy that is against you. Tell them God can handle it. Who am I preaching to? One more time. Somebody throw your head back and say, God can handle it. He can make a way when there is no way. God can bring your enemies to bow before you. And what they meant for evil, God can turn it around. For your good. Yes, he can. Listen to the text. Strip away the garment of anger, the type that leads to revenge, contempt, type that raises your blood pressure, Ooh, type that keeps you up at night, type that ties you up in a knot make your stomach upset. I've heard folks say, I'm so mad, I can't even eat. <laughs> now, how does that hurt your enemy? Come on, somebody. Can somebody say, let's keep it real. Here you are, can't eat. And your enemy is sitting there at Golden Corral at the buffet. <laughs> Don't hurt nobody. That's the devil. Tell somebody, that's the devil. This type of anger arrogantly exalts oneself while tearing down someone else. Paul recognizes that anger, although it is a part of the human experience, he tells us not to allow it to cause us to sin. Look at what the text says. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Then here's where the subject is. And do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't take it to bed. Do not allow it to anger. Don't sleep on it. Tell somebody, don't sleep on it. Take it to the Lord. Verse 27. Look at what Paul says. Paul says, if you do this, 
it will give the devil. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, tell somebody this kind of anger only gives the devil a foothold in your life. Here's what the New Living Translation says, or the Amplified Bible says it this way. It says, this kind of anger gives the devil an opportunity. Preaching to somebody now, you don't need to help the devil out. Don't give him. I look at somebody and say an opportunity. Proverbs 25 and 28 upstairs, follow me with this. Proverbs 25 and 28, the New Living Translation. Thank you to our Sunday school superintendent. Uh, thank you, Carlotta Porterfield, for sharing this with me after the 8 o'clock service. This blessed me. I'm going to show you some. The New Living Translation, if you can. 25 and 28, the New Living Translation says this. Here's the problem with anger. I'm going to help somebody. You're not in control of your own life. When, when, when you lose control, when you can't control your own self, keep that on the board. I want to tell you something. I remember as a young man, I told the church this morning, there would be times in which I would get angry and fly off the handle. And I remember my dad who pulled me aside, told me his testimony. He said, son, I was just like you one time. He said, but then I realized that it gets me nowhere. And here's the advice he told me. He says, the greatest thing you can do for yourself is not to allow your enemies to control your emotion. He says, if you get angry, don't let them see it. Don't even confront them. Take it home and fall on your knees. Because, see, our problem is when folk know they can push your button, they keep pushing it. They'll push your button just like a child plays with an elevator button. Every time it goes up, they'll push the button to make it come down. Here's what Proverbs 25 and 28 says when you lose control. It says, a person without self-control, listen, is like a city with broken down walls. In other words, you've just made a way for the enemy to invade your territory. The walls around the city in those days protected the city. And so the author of the Proverbs says, when you lose control, when you get so angry that you can't think straight, you've let down your defense so that every demon from the pits of hell got your address. And they're sending out mass communication messages to every demon in the neighborhood. Meet me at so-and-so's house. They're mad tonight. Preach, Pastor Jackson. Why? Because you've just cut off your alarm system. You've just let down your walls of protection. You've told every spirit out there, I'm open for business. I am vulnerable because I have lost control. But when you stand up and know that God has given you the strength to say no to the enemy, and they look at you and say, you 
ought to be crying, but somehow you're still smiling. What's up with that? To God be the glory. You should be upset. But look at you, you're still walking around saying, I still have joy. What's up with that? To God be the glory. You should have lost your mind in 2015. But look at you, you're up in 2017, still praising God. What's wrong with that? Tell somebody to God be the glory. Anybody know that God can handle any situation in your life? Because there's a peace that God gives you that the world can't take it away. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct that path. I'm going to show you something. Be careful because the devil is out there. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5 and 8, be alert. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 8 again, be alert. And here's what I like, and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy wants you. And when you give him an opportunity, he comes right in to your life. But I showed up this morning to tell you, you're covered if you trust in the Lord. Whew. How many of you love the Lord? How many of you trust God? Don't defend yourself. You don't have to fight back. You don't have to show who's the toughest, who's the loudest. But just lean back in the Lord. Tell God, God, you've got to handle this. You've got to take care of this because I can't do it by myself. And when you lean on God, whew, God will be your peace. Not only will he give you peace, whew, but this is what I like. Juanita Bynum says, you are my peace. Whew. How many of you know God can be your peace? In the midnight hour, I'm not staying up at night anymore because you are my peace. When they dog me out, when they try to destroy me, when they lie on you, lift those hands and say, God, you are my peace. When the enemy comes in like a flood, woo, the Lord can be your peace. Stand to your feet all over this place. Lift those hands just before we come to the altar. On Tuesday night, we're going to share three things that you ought to take away from this message. But we'll get to that on Tuesday night. God told me right now it's time for us to recognize the God we serve. Lift those hands. Close those eyes. Do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Ooh. Hands lifted. Do not give the devil an opportunity in your life. He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. 
But Jesus says, I come that you may have life, have life more abundantly. <laughs> from this moment on, from this third Sunday in July in the year 2017, we are declaring and decreeing that God is our peace. Ooh, that we will fret not because of evildoers. That we will not allow the walls around us to come down so that the enemy can come into our life. How many of you are just tired of the devil taking advantage of your emotions? Ooh, it's over. Tell somebody it's over. Now here's what I want you to do. Make your way down these aisles wherever you are right now. Ah, come on right now. You are my peace. Lord, you are. Ah, yeah, yeah. You are my peace. And I worship you. You have delivered my soul. <laughs> when the battle was against me and your promises you kept. That the world, all of my enemies, will see that God will keep me in perfect peace. Tell somebody it's time to let it go. It's time to tell the spirit of anger. It's time to declare to the emotion of anger no longer no longer will you destroy my life I'm letting it go come on you come on are my peace. Ooh, lift those hands and just you wave it are my peace. you are my peace yeah, yeah. and I worship you you are my peace come on. God is speaking to you someone right now. You know who you are and you know what you're struggling you with right now. My peace Come on. And I worship you. You have delivered my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the battle was against me Ooh. and your promises you kept. Yeah, yeah. That your word would set me free if I just keep my mind on me. Come on, leave it at this altar You'll right keep now. Me There's somebody in else who God is God is inviting you to come and leave it at the altar. The altar just represents a yes, place you where your faith is on display. Come on. You are my peace. Lord, I, I'm willing to leave my comfort zone and walk down the aisles and stand at the, right here at the altar. Yeah. That's right. Ooh, yes, you are. You are my peace. Yeah, yeah. Those hands in worship. From the stair of the you delivered me, in Lord.
point something out and we'll deal with this on Tuesday night you remember on last week we talked about Jacob we talked about how Jacob stole his brother Esau's birthright and how Jacob took something that rightly belonged to Esau cheated him out of his inheritance for 20 years Jacob and Esau did not speak had not seen each other uh, Esau threatened the last time he saw Jacob. The last time we heard from Esau was chapter 27 of the book of Genesis, I think, verse 41. And the Bible says that Esau hated Jacob. Ooh. One translation say he had a grudge against Jacob. And he vowed, the next time I see you, I will kill you. <laughs> Anger. Hatred. If anybody had a reason to be mad, Esau had a reason. Man, you stole what was mine. You took, you did me wrong. If anybody has a reason not to forgive, it's me. But thanks be to God, 20 years passed, Esau realized that this is only hurting me. And, and so now the reunion of Esau and Jacob is found in Genesis chapter 33. I just want to share with you just a little bit of that as you sing softly and come to the altar. The first verse, first part of that verse says, Then Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming with 400 men. Esau had raised an army and Esau was on his way back to where Jacob was. And he had 400 men. Woo. Jacob thought, here it is. My brother's coming to destroy me. Jacob took his family, his kids, and set them aside. Because he knew that he was no defense for Esau. But what Jacob did not realize. Give me verse 44. Verse 4. Chapter 33. What, what, what Jacob did not realize was that God had changed Esau's heart. Whew. And Esau wasn't angry anymore. Look at verse number four. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept together. In other words, Esau had let it go. Esau said, I'm not the same Esau that I was 20 years ago. I'm not angry anymore because it helps nobody to be angry. God told me to tell you some of you, like Esau, you've been hurt by people. There's some folk who really let you down, but God says you've got to let it go. God says you've got to put it behind you. 
Why? Because what God has for you is greater than the stuff you lost in your past. Am I right about it? Put your arms around somebody's shoulders. Look at somebody say, don't sleep on it. Say, don't let it linger. It will destroy you. Esau knew that the only way I can go on with my life, Jacob, is that I've got to forget about what you've done to me. That happened 20 years ago. God has been good to both of us. Now let us celebrate together. Close those eyes. Arms around somebody's shoulders. God is about to do something great in your life. But you've got to let go that anger, that pain. You've given the devil a foothold in your life. And we declare and decree that the devil does not need an opportunity to hurt you anymore. After we pray this prayer, the only way you can get it right is you need a relationship with God. You can come to this church, you can come to this altar, but if you refuse to make a commitment to a God that's greater than your struggle, you're going to go back in the same mess that you've been in all your life. This is a day of transformation. This is a day that you commit your life to the Lord. Take a stand. Stand up and say, here I am, Lord. I need you to do this. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you this day. I have fulfilled my assignment. I preach this message the way you wanted me to preach it. I, I've said what you have asked me to say. You've asked me to convey to this congregation and to all those that are viewing and listening that we don't have to fight our battles. That we cannot allow anger to get a foothold in our life because the devil will use that to ruin our lives. We are declaring and decreeing on the 16th day of July in the year 2017 that it's no longer gonna work. It's over. You've been set free. You're not angry anymore. <laughs> You're going to sleep good tonight. Why? Because you decided to let it go. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Those that know it is so said amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, don't sleep on it. Tell them, let it go. Tell them, let it go, man. Wherever you are, come right now. Come on. If you want to commit your life to the Lord, if you want to join the church today, if you want to just recommit yourself to the Lord, come on right now. God is calling you wherever you are. Thank you, young man. Look at God. Somebody else, God is calling you. Amen. God, God is calling you right Others are coming right now. There's some young people who are coming from next door. Amen. Amen. Ivan and Prashan is bringing them in. Amen. Seven young people from next door giving their life to the Lord. Come on. Speak.
the, these young men right here in this service, others are coming. Come on, come on, we ought to be on our feet, clapping our hands, giving God a hand of praise. You are, yeah. Wherever you, come on. Somebody else right now, God, God's dealing with you, amen. If you want to make that commitment today, thank you, look at God. somebody you've allowed anger to control your life too long is there anybody who's ready to be set free right now come on step step down those aisles walk down those aisles stand with us right now God is calling you anyone else want to join these young people if you're here God is calling you clap those hands everybody give the Lord a hand of praise as we take them in the back come on let's celebrate God you As we return on Tuesday night, we're going to pray and touch and agree for anger. God told me we're going to rebuke that spirit because it has dominated your life long enough. Amen. Tell somebody it's time to let it go. Don't sleep on it tonight, tomorrow night, any other night. You don't have to confront your enemies all the time. You just commune with God and watch God work it out. Amen. Lift those hands for the benediction. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor. And may the Lord give you his peace. And the church said amen. Amen. Look at somebody and say let it go. Don't take it home and don't sleep on it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah.